Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So we're going to do the autopsy of a sexless marriage today with a case that Adam is bringing to us, a complicated young person case, Brandon and Marie, and the difficulties and changes that have happened when the sexual pursuer becomes depressed and is complicated, marital issue, and now he is no longer initiating. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foreplay. We are back at it again in the closet, our little podcasting closet that I love. It needs a name, Lori. I I think it it really needs a name like Sophia or (laughs) Magnus. I don't know why. Um, You know, that's going to bring up all kinds of sexual images. I mean, I I know. I feel like like it has to. I feel like it has to. Um, It's, you know, it's something that should be warm and inviting, but it's kind of cold and stale. You know, (laughs) things like that. Today, we are going to do something called what we're calling the autopsy of a sexless marriage, where we are going to talk about a couple, kind of break down um, what's going on with them, what they're reporting, like what a typical couple would come into one of our uh, our therapy rooms, Lori, on a first session, and this is how they would describe their relationship. And, and what we're going to try to do is break down how they got there um, and what happened in their relationship that kind of might have led them to the point in their relationship where they're not having sex anymore. Okay, Brandon and Marie, we're going to talk about them. And I think what I love about this example is obviously it's a conglomeration of right. several patients. It's nobody in particular. But when we talk about the uh, autopsy of a sexless marriage, I think sometimes people think this is something that happens when you're older. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, Brandon and Marie are younger and have already started to feel that their relationship is sexless. And again, we define sexlessness as less than one time a month, roughly, mm-hmm. and low sex in a marriage as being less than every other week. Yeah. So. And so, yeah, and so when we talk about them, we're giving just assigning them how long that they might have gone without sex, but for couples, some couples it should could be shorter and they would still be in a sexless marriage, and for some couples it could be longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brandon and Marie, they come into our office and they talk about the idea that their marriage has, that sex in their marriage has become more and more infrequent over the last three years. Um, and there's been a steady decline to the point that they have not had sex in six months. And, and typically when couples give us numbers like this, Lori, I would say that they are almost always inaccurate, mm-hmm. that it's probably more likely that sex has been declining much longer than that. Sure. Um, and that they've been sexless or at least very low sex longer than the six months. Would you and, agree with and that? And the pursuer is going to double that month 
estimate. Oh, absolutely. It's been 12 months, and the distancer is going to say, the sexual distancer is going to say, no, I remember I gave you that hand job, you know, so many months ago, (laughs) and it hasn't really been six months, right? Both people have a perspective, but generally, you know, when we're arguing over, you know, a couple of times over six months, um, there's not... I mean, it's a big problem. Yeah, it's, it's usually going to be somewhere in the middle of what they're what yeah. they're actually reporting. Um, Marie complains that Brandon is not affectionate with her anymore. Uh, Brandon is going to complain that Marie doesn't do things with her with him. Um, they both have really stressful jobs. Um, as well as a side business they are working on together. This of is something course they do. I wanted to throw this in here because I think that's happening more and more with people. Maybe they're not working on it together, but they and on top of their jobs, their normal nine to five jobs, I'm finding more and more people have what they're calling side hustles. Yeah. You know, things that they're doing on the side to try to get extra money. Sometimes they need those side hustles, but more often than not, they're not completely necessary. Yeah. Um, and it's just something extra that but they're it, doing. But it's difficult, right? Mm-hmm. As a young couple these days to feel like um, it's difficult to make money. It's difficult to get financial security. It's more difficult than it was certainly in my parents' era. I mean, it, sure. it, it is stressful. And we, we feel for you out there. It is stressful right now. We get that. Absolutely it is. And it's a common thing um, that is affecting a lot of couples. Mm-hmm. Um, they have four kids ranging from 15 to eight years old. So they are kind of in the middle of those child-rearing years, both in their early 40s. And so they've been married for at least 15 years, uh, probably started having kids three years into their relationship. So probably been married about 18 years mm-hmm. um, on the job front, individual size, Brandon on his, for his part has a lot of anxiety about his job. Um, I'm finding more and more men who are very anxious about their work. Um, but and he feels very attacked at his work, um, but has been mm-hmm. at this point in his life and his, in his early to mid forties, he's been contemplating whether he needs to change his career wondering if he needs to go back to school. It's kind of that question of, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. So he's real conflicted about his job. Um, it's mm-hmm. something that he started out liking a lot, but has kind of grown less fond of, particularly mm-hmm. as it has gone on and gotten um, more into it. You know, and our tasks in life, right, are to find our person and to fulfill our relational needs as well as find our purpose right. in life and to fulfill, you know, the needs that we have of our calling or our contribution to the world, or even if it's just to make a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to do something oftentimes that brings us some happiness since we're putting in so much time there. And so he's kind of at a classic age, which is the midlife crisis, right? Of Suddenly, I'm in my 40s and... I, I'm not getting satisfaction at work. In fact, I'm feeling attacked there. It's not fulfilling. What do I do? Do I go back mm-hmm. to school? Do I change jobs? You know, we got this side hustle. We've got kids. This guy under a tremendous amount of stress. Yeah, absolutely. And then on Marie's side, she has um, actually just found her stride at her job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're kind of in the opposite lanes here, um, feeling very fulfilled about her career. And so she's investing a lot more time in it, um, which happens a lot when you find something like that, that she is wanting just to spend more and more time at the office. Um, And when she is home, she's also working as well. So she's Mm -hmm. checking email more. uh, She's on her phone more, on her computer more. um, uh, Just because of that investment, it's bleeding over um, into into their home life as well. 
Um, Marie also mentions that all of her girlfriends wonder if uh, Brandon needs to go to therapy because he seems so depressed. Mm-hmm. Like the, she's going to point out that they notice it, that other people notice it. Um, in, an, in kind of an effort to say she's not the only one, right? And mm-hmm. typically, a lot of times when people come in and present these type of problems and what's going on in their relationship, they're wanting to validate their position. So in Marie's case, she's saying, see, he's so depressed. She's going to say things like, he's so negative at home. It feels mm-hmm. negative at home. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like um, there's just a, a cloud of gloom over the house when she gets home. And so she's going to point out, too, that this is other people are noticing it. His friends, family, her girlfriends are saying why to the point that they're saying, why are you still with him? Mm. And those are not friends we need. Right. <laughs> those are right. Those are not friends. we need. But my guess is, though, <laughs> like and we can talk about this and when we start breaking it apart, but that in her mind, they are being supportive of her. Right. They're being of good, her. They're being good friends. But, right. But not necessarily of her commitments. And nor is it. A friendship that, right, what is it? Iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we want friends who challenge us and who who love us enough and feel safe enough with us to also say, hey, what about your part? You know, you know, how have you contributed to this? To understand that life is very complex. You know, it's tempting mm. to want to be all on one person's side, but that's not really true blue friendship in my mind. Right. And then Brandon reports that they never go out anymore. And when they do, they don't seem to have anything to talk about. Uh, Mm -hmm. He also is going to say that she doesn't have any common interest with him, that when he suggests something, he uh, likes to go fishing, likes to go hiking, likes to do those sort of outdoorsy things, and she does not. Mm -hmm. And so when he asks her to go with him, she... Uh, says no, that she doesn't want to do that. Or if she does go, she it's obvious that she doesn't want to be there and she's not very engaged in what mm-hmm. is happening. So they don't enjoy themselves. So they have stopped doing as many things together. But she then also complains that he never tries anything new, that he mm-hmm. wants to do the same thing over and over and over again. Of course. Um, and then he also <sighs> looks back at his history, at their history, and um, feels like that they that he cannot remember what they did when they were dating, um, what they did together when they were dating, or when he does remember it, he doesn't remember it being much fun anyway. And that oftentimes I think people when uh, that's one of the questions I like to ask when especially when they talk about when they say they don't have anything in common, ask what they did when they were dating. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes here back there is this, especially people that have been married ten plus years where they either don't remember or they have trouble recalling that or they're saying we just kind of fell into it mm-hmm. right and so that's a that's something to look at we were in bed all the time we were in bed we were in bed all the time what do you yes. mean what were we doing we, we were, were spending we were spending all of our time together right yeah okay. it's it's just kind of a a blank look so that's so, kind of the basics of Brandon and Marie okay so this is a complex issue that, as we can see, has resulted in a sexless marriage. And I think anybody listening can hear that it's there are many issues at stake here um, in both parties. They've been married 18 years. They have two, uh, four children. Golly, anybody who can survive four children has got my pat on the back. And, and there's all kinds of career issues, and there's personal issues, and there's relational issues. I mean, this is so complicated. Could you tell me, in your mind, uh, before the break, 
Tell me who you think is the pursuer and who's the distancer and how are they the pursuer and the distancer? Mm. I think that Brandon has probably been the sexual pursuer for most of their relationship. Okay. Um, That's not evident in what you told me, but I get yes. that now. Okay. But I, but I, what I would say is, is, and this is something maybe we can talk about a little bit after the break as well, is that I, I, in this kind of case, I wonder if it's just, it's changed over time because of how he's been received and how, mm-hmm. and now the outside stresses that have come into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he, he traditionally would have been the more sexual pursuer um, and emotional distancer, but feeling right now, like he in the, like where they are now that he is acting more like the sexual dis- sexual mm-hmm. and emotional distancer. Mm-hmm. So one of the things she complains about is Brandon is not affectionate with her anymore. So mm-hmm. he, you might be right that in the past she relied on his affection, his mm-hmm. approach to get things going sexually, as well as meet her affectionate needs and her affection needs. And so with his stress, potential depression, you know, the, the complicated feelings that he's going through relationally with her, he may have stopped that. And and she doesn't know how to pick that up again to get the sex life going. So yeah. they had a more traditional marriage, even though they're young people, um, perhaps with the male being the sexual pursuer. Um, my sense is he might be the emotional distancer. Uh, as well, so, which is classic, right? She may need more face-to-face time. He wants to go enjoy time with her shoulder to shoulder. Let's go fish together. Let's go mm-hmm. hike together. And she's thinking, let's go to coffee together. Let's go out to <laughs> eat. So shop. we're looking at each other. Yeah. Okay, let's come back and talk about the elements after the break. So we want to remind all of you that we are thankful for the way you've shared the podcast. We continue to grow. It is our greatest honor when you share with a friend the work that we're doing and trying to help people uh, reframe their sexual life in a way that is understandable and not so mysterious so that they can make positive changes and strengthen their marriages and their partnerships. And I think the last thing we'd like to say is both of us are doing intensives. Um, Our summer schedules are getting filled up. So if you would like to work with us, let us know and call our centers. You can find us at foreplayradiosextherapy.com. And if you like what we're doing and want to help support us, we'd love for you to rate and review us on iTunes and be super helpful for us. So thanks for listening. Well, we're back talking about Brennan and Marie, but we just want to invite Brennan and Marie to our retreat, the Love and Sex 360 retreat in Asheville, November 14th through the 18th. Is mm-hmm. that it? That is it. And when we say Brandon and Marie, they are a fictional couple. So we yes. actually mean you who are listening. We would yes. like to invite you, yes, you, to our retreat, loveandsex360.com for more info. Exactly. So let's talk about Brennan and Marie again. We. We've just said that we think he is uh, a previous sexual pursuer now not taking that position because he's preoccupied with anxiety about his job. And, you know, this is so classic. I think women believe that men's sex drive is unaffected by the pressures that they face. Oh, man. It's all related. It's all completely connected. I, I think so many men are impacted by their stress at work that sometimes they they worry they get anxious and sex really does get crowded out of their mind 
Uh, yeah, not just that. I mean, I think it's it's. Uh, I mean, not to be crass, but if everything's pointing up, pointing up, so's you know, so's him. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Like, I mean, it's <laughs> I love like, that. like <laughs> if it, everything's pointing yeah. up, so is he. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it, it's it, it it really does work like that. I mean, it, the performance. If his job performance is being criticized at work, like he's going to tie that to himself and he ties sex to himself mm-hmm. um, and to who he is. And so performance is is across the board yeah. one of the biggest drivers for men. And so um, if he's being criticized at work, it's going to feel like his, his performance everywhere in life is not living up to par. And it, um, I think if you're feeling attacked at work, it's very emasculating. Absolutely. I do. You know, don't know that women don't feel bad about being attacked at work. That can feel awful, too. But I don't think traditionally women tie their sense of sexuality to their performance at work. Mm -hmm. Men, I think, tie their sense of masculinity to being a provider, to bringing money to, you know, the table. They they went out and hunted that thing and brought it home, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, that but it's that just... means they're more manly or something. So he, this guy's uber anxious and he exhibits depression. Yeah. So and and if his his work is that kind of pressure filled, a lot of his mental space is going to trying to solve that mm-hmm. problem as mm-hmm. well. And so he may not even see the problems in his relationship. I mean, he does, but he's not going to see them as clearly and when to act and when not to act because no. so much of his brain space is going to be tied into that. And if he's the emotional distancer, I mean, one thing that has become clearer and clearer to me is that emotional distancers almost become dissociative sometimes when yeah. when they're confronted with the relational problems. They That deer in the headlight look that they get like, uh, what, and you're unhappy with me, it just is a brain freeze and they almost have to leave the actual space that they're in. They they leave their boots for a minute because it's so frightening. And here he is feeling attacked in one area, major area of his life. And now he may be feeling like he's letting her down. His well, because, girlfriends are saying, leave the dude. Oh, my God. Well, and he, um, he she is probably going to be more critical, especially as she feels more empowered in her own work. And if she's the emotional pursuer, um, then any request that she's going to make, whether she makes it well or not, is going to feel like criticism to him. Well, I so let's say I, I wouldn't say that she's becoming more critical because she is more empowered at work. Perhaps she's found a voice and she she's more apt to, you know, maybe bring things up. Well, that's um, what I, that's what I mean. I didn't mean that that has led to her being more critical. I mean, it's going to mm-hmm. sound critical to him mm-hmm. in his space, well, whether, whether she, if she's say, even if she's finding her own sound voice, critical, yeah, right. Yes. I mean, that's, that's the thing is they, they often begin softer uh, with a request, but when they don't get through to their partner, they escalate, they become more critical, which causes withdrawers or distancers to go silent so what do we do? Let, let's help them. I well, mean, I think I think in dissecting how they got there, if we're if we're doing an autopsy of what happened there, mm-hmm. one of the biggest things is that they just lost connection with each other. Mm-hmm. They started living parallel lives that didn't intersect at all. Mm-hmm. Um, guessing in in part because of the the kids that they have, they spent the majority of their marriage raising kids and having multiple kids, mm-hmm. um, and then they've all f- also focused on their careers. In a in a parallel way, rather than in a way that kind of complements and supports each other. I mean, these people have so much on their plate. They do four kids, three jobs. Yeah. I mean, there's this fantasy that we can have it all. 
Well, and we can't. Well, not just we and can't they, have it all at the same time. At and least. maybe and maybe they started their business as a way for them to work together. But I think what happens a lot is, and I know because I'm in this position as well, um, that oftentimes working together on the business doesn't lead to more time together. Mm-hmm. It doesn't lead to you doing more things together. It it, it leads to um, you doing your job and your partner doing their job to help get that thing off the ground. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always necessarily lead to more time together. But maybe they thought that that it would. But what it's done is just push them more to their corner. So I think just losing touch with each other is so easy to do. And what I, what I mean by that, not just just losing just touch points where you get to sit and connect, mm-hmm. right? And I think this amount of busyness, it just becomes that where they have just lost touch with each other, where there's no, there's no morning coffee, there's no evening wine um, mm-hmm. together. There's no lunches that they get to take together. I noticed you threw both those things in there. Yeah, because I want both. Of I want both things. of two of my favorite things. Yeah, <laughs> I want coffee, but I mean, whatever floats your boat. Wine in the morning, coffee at night. I mean, I don't know, whatever, however you want to go, but, man. You do but you. These could have been individual decisions, right? Oh, sure. Individual decisions, but as a combination, this many children, this many jobs, this much work has now overwhelmed them. And when we talk to them about sticking back in couple time, they're going to look at us and roll their eyes. Oh, yeah. They're going to say, where was, where is that going to come from? Yeah, where is that going to come from? Okay, so also, you know, talking negative to her uh, about her partner to her friends. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, you know, and she may not have even thought that. unchallenged. Yes, because like, she is, I don't know, do you think, I, this is where I don't know, I, mean, I don't want to be too gendered, but it seems to me that that, that the couples that I hear from that women are talking to their friends about what's going on more than men are talking to their friends about what's happening. And if you have college buddies, gentlemen, hang on to them because that is such a blessing. I think that's a time in life that men make true friends and you know that they are so special. Please drop them a line every quarter. You know, even if it's like, Hey, you want to go fishing or, you know, Hey, you know, Jack got his first tooth or whatever. Just, just or, keep it up. Or go to Europe with them, like yeah. oh, I am. Oh, yeah, go week. to Europe. Awesome. See you in a, see you in a, see you in a little bit, college guys. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think that that's that being able – that that is not a great barometer because your friends are – I mean, I go back and forth on this. I do think that good friends that are just your friends usually are supportive of you and your position. And But in this case, like they're, they're doing so in a way where they are just vilifying him mm-hmm. um, more and more. And it's going to be harder for her to break away from that, from that mm-hmm. position. And if he was doing that, we would say the same thing to him. If he's talking negative about that, but by doing that, like it's, it's keeping them in that negative cycle, right? right? And it's causing right. that cycle to escalate and the, that disconnection to grow further and further because it's making a, it's, it's almost like it's creating a higher wall that they have to get over to get to each other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what else, Adam? Um, I think one of the things that in this story that I hear is common is they are rewriting their history. More often than not, I think, couples when they're in that negative cycle and when it's gone on for a long time um, just as humans we have a hard time looking back accurately over what's happened in our lives right Mm -hmm. and so viewing that history as fully negative and not being able to to scrounge up any of the positives or any of the nuggets is it gets very difficult Mm -hmm. right and so partly they have to find a way to be positively reflectful on what they have 
and what mm-hmm. they've had because they haven't made it this long without any good moments, mm-hmm. right? There's no way that, that ha- it has been all bad. If it was all bad, they would have gotten out in year one. You know, right? I heard this weekend in a seminar that I was in that as it's human nature to focus on the negative, mm. right? When you're out in the woods and you're on a path and, you know, you squint ahead and you see this thing lying on the path that, that is bent a little bit, our body, our brains is watch out, danger, 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 snake, hmm. right? I mean, we are trained, we are focused for our very survival to focus on the negative. And yet this thing that helped us survive for many eons is also now, uh, is not as adaptive in relationship right. because we focus on the bad things, not on the good things. Yeah. So I often have couples come in and they say, you know, I'm not sure I was ever in love with my partner. Yeah, And it's like what they have done, right, is they have refocused and they spend a lot of time and effort thinking about the negative. I, I know I have a girlfriend. Um, hi, Kim. I have a girlfriend who keeps a gratitude journal. And, and I don't know if this kind of stuff works for you or not, but I, one of the things that it does for her is it focuses her on all the good things that she has in her life and in her relationship. And... I, I think she's countering this biological drive that says you got to focus on the bad things so mm-hmm. that you can stay alive. And I think her friends, unfortunately, are helping her focus on the negative. And she needs to, you know, think about, okay, was it really this way? Or, like, he can't remember, right? He can't even remember the fun that they had together. He can. I think if he spent some time actually thinking about mm-hmm. it, going back over old pictures, mm-hmm. um, talking to people that knew them then Mm -hmm. like there's there's ways for to reclaim some of that Mm -hmm. and i think the one of the things that i think would be underlying their relationship as well um is that they didn't address their sexlessness sooner absolutely right and and this crack has become a cavern yes and so I think, it, like we talked about, it's probably been occurring longer than they either of them want to admit mm-hmm. and probably started when they were having kids, right? Sure. That something shifted, something changed for them, um, and they just didn't address it soon enough, which is why I think Brandon probably started off as a sexual pursuer but has withdrawn because of those efforts. And so I think that's partly one of the things that probably happened with them. And, and so it became, like you said, this great cavern that now is such a big thing that they have to overcome to be able to reconnect. And I really appreciate the way you just put that, because you're, what you're saying is there was a relational dynamic that probably also caused him to withdraw, not just stress at work or mm. circumstantial life stressors, but also probably between the two of them, there's yes. been this thing. It's interesting, though, that I think the hopeful place here is she's longing for his affection. And that's uh, that's that would be my yes. toehold, yes. so to speak. That would be where I would begin is to ask her, tell me what that's like, um, you know, when you miss his affection. Can you talk about yeah. what that's like when it's absent and, and see if she could get to a more emotional place that is softer about yeah. her longing for him? So that suddenly he can see how she needs him and isn't just simply critical of him. Yeah. That, that would be a starting place for me. And for, um, for me, with, it's him that he wants to be with her, mm-hmm. that he's, he wants to be around her. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having a hard time finding what it is that they're doing together that is going to be enjoyable. But he wants that. And so yeah. that's the think the toehold for him. 
um, is that he actually desires to be around her and be with her. And implicitly, there's this complaint that he has, right? She's preoccupied. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to go out with me. She's always on her phone, in her email, doing work. There's something implicit in the way this case was read to me that says he he too is longing to connect with her, which is very positive. Um, We know that some of you out there live in truly sexless marriages and have for so many years it's impossible. And they often write in after these episodes and say, you know, but what about this when it's really, 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 really helpless? And it's like, okay, if it's really, 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 really helpless, either get yourself to therapy and figure out if this is something that you can live in or, um, but I think this is a sexless marriage that can be healed. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I might plug my book, Wanting Sex Again, how to rediscover desire and heal a sexless marriage. I mean, this is yeah. exactly who I wrote it for. And I would plug therapy with and you first. Yeah. Go to see Lori if you can. <laughs> then if you can't, you know, come see me. <laughs> okay. Talk thank you, you for listening. Time. You can now call in your questions to the foreplay question voicemail. Dial 833-MY4PLAY. That's 833, the number four, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.